The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Henriquez, and I'm with my co-host, Dr. Latanya Benjamin. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. On today's show, Dr. Daniel Bober, a child and adolescent psychiatrist with Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital, was previously interviewed by Jason and Bahati about suicide prevention as it relates to the popular Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why. Before we get to the pre-recorded interview, we'll spend a few minutes chatting about a couple of trending topics in the news. Finally, something good All right. about what we can do with our smartphones. We're going to talk about teens replacing drugs with smartphones and Instagram's hashtag here for you mental health campaign. Fantastic. Yeah, this is wonderful. I love wonderful news. Finally. <laughs> Just seems like our world is with so many sad, unfortunate things going on. Right or at now. least that's what the that's what they emphasize out there. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of good things out there. We really should, you know, take the good with the bad, more good. Yeah. We're good. And we'll focus on that. But before we move on, here's a word from our sponsor. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com slash care. Welcome back. Before we get to today's guests, let's bring in Bahati with what's making news in the parenting world. How are you both doing today? Fantastic. Good to see you. It's great to see you both as well. So today I have some good news, finally. (laughs) Thank you, Bahati. First news up, teens replacing drugs with smartphones. What does that mean? What does that mean? So according to a 2016 National Institute on Drug Abuse study called Monitoring the Future, as well as the CDC's 2015 Youth Risk Behavior Survey, there is, there has been a dramatic decrease of teens um, and tweens experimenting with alcohol, marijuana, prescription medications, as well as sexual activity compared to um, the previous years. Woohoo! That so is that wonderful is news. Teens. I just want to. I don't know if you yes. can hear this, but I'm clapping. <laughs> You're clapping for your sons. Yes, yes I am. For I my know, sons. Pay attention, <laughs> Jason. For sons. all the youth out there. So it's so good to hear um, statistics like this because oftentimes it's always those kinds of um, statistics are on the rise. Yes. What do we do about it? But apparently uh, the change may be due to, one, an increased public education efforts. Obviously, it seems like everywhere you look, it's a billboard, it's an ad on TV or a movie um, talking about the dangers of drugs, the dangers of risky sexual and activity. And utilizing social media as well. I'm exactly. seeing a lot on social media, a lot of YouTube ads. Exactly. Also, there's more access to knowledge via the web, yes. obviously. Parents know a lot more. I know they know a lot more than my parents. <laughs> We're required to know a lot more now. <laughs> Right, you're required to know a lot more. Um, and thirdly, smartphones. So you can imagine 
if you were to step outside today or go to a, a, a high school or a middle school and you look at the kids, what are they mostly doing? They're on the phones, they're looking down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that apparently some researchers are saying that there may be may be a correlation between the use of smartphones and a decreased risk of kids um, getting involved in basically risky behaviors like drugs, alcohol, and sex. So maybe they're switching one addiction for another. I was, no, I right? was so going to say something they're, like they're, that. They're, yes. they're getting video game addictions to get that pleasure-seeking center of their yes. brains activated, exactly. and they're not going for other addictions. <laughs> I mean, I always thought that, that, you know, an idle mind, mm -hmm. you know, leads it's to a devil's a, workshop. Exactly, you know, you're <laughs> yes. gonna you're gonna experiment. You're gonna be curious, but with the cell phone these days, when you have an idle mind, you, you, there's always something to look at. Exactly. So your mind is ever wondering. I wonder what kind of drug will do for me. No, <laughs> the boredom is, is a lot less um, of an I guess an epidemic now right. with all the social media and all the entertainment everywhere in your face all the time. Right. So I could I could I can see the correlation. One thing I was thinking about, when I was growing up, they always talked about cigarette smoking as a gateway to drugs. Yes. yes. And we do know factually that the, the rates of cigarette smoking has decreased. Mm -hmm. So that may be a little hand-in-hand, -hand, uh, tongue-in-cheek, why perhaps we're seeing a decrease in the other drug usages as well. Very true. I think Most it's definitely. probably hard to text and smoke at the same time, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, smartphones, like you said, they're so ubiquitous. You can watch a movie, yeah. mm -hmm. you can play games, you could talk to your friends, your family, people literally around the world. And so your time, the time that you normally would spend um, in that after school, three to six Absolutely. kind of mm -hmm. hours doing something that you weren't supposed to be doing, mm -hmm. um, you're literally now on your phone. Mm -hmm. And so I, it, while some people may say, well, it's too much time spent on the phone, at the same time, it's like, but look at what they're not doing. Right. Yeah, right? it is a double-edged sword because, you know, I, 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 I've told my boys, I said, listen, guys, you're on either your iPod or you're on some entertainment. I said, when I was a kid, you know, <laughs> Uh, when, once the cartoons ran out, I went outside and we played a little basketball. Right. You know, don't you guys want to go outside? Maybe they're right. like, we're right. <laughs> right. I'm listening to my music, Dad. There's no Wi-Fi outside, yeah, so it, yeah. it's a double-edged sword. I, I mean, I love the correlation. I, I love the fact that um, you, you know, as your phones can multitask more and catch up with our multitasking, that it does strip the temptation or the curiosity. But you know, taking a go with the bad. That's One right. thing that was interesting in these studies. It seemed to affect more positively the younger children, the mm -hmm. younger adolescents. And so I wonder how much of that is just a thought I had. Um, they're more influenced by celebrities. Maybe mm -hmm. they're the ones on their smartphone tracking, tracking celebrities, the high schoolers, that are seeing the effects of overdose and celebrities that get these overdose. And so now it's more in their face, you mm -hmm. know, the exposure of deadly risks. Mm -hmm. Every single day you turn around yes. and it's another true. celebrity that's, that's fallen over or is in re rehab or they're actually seeing the negative things that usually it was the parents that would try and preach that mm -hmm. and it wasn't in our face. At least when I was growing up, it, I didn't hear about this celebrity and that celebrity. And I think perhaps that has a major influence on what we're seeing too. Definitely. I mean, celebrities are probably some of the biggest influencers of kids, if not adults today yes, yes. <laughs> and so when you see that and even with the you could probably name 15 off the top I of my know, head right? because that's what makes news yes yes right? exactly exactly it's constantly in the news so here's a call out to the researchers studying this important topic moving forward like consider the effects of celebrity and what our children are viewing as their role models and maybe that's deterring them mm. good takeaway that'd be a very good uh, 
study. Good takeaway. So the next uh, news topic. Um, so in May, every May, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And so Instagram wanted to launch a hashtag campaign called Hashtag Here For You. And it's a campaign that's designed to help people connect visually with a kind, safe, and supportive community. I love that. Later on the show, uh, you both will be talking to Dr. Daniel Bober about the uh, suicide prevention and the as it relates to the Netflix show, 13 Reasons Why. So I thought this was a really interesting campaign. Actually, to you'll be about. talking to him. <laughs> All, right. All right, I'll be talking to him later in our pre-recorded interview. Um, about and you did a lovely show. job, by the way. Thank you. I can't wait to hear it. It was a great imitation of you, Dr. Benjamin. <laughs> my right. things. I only do the best. <laughs> <laughs> we know what we're doing here. <laughs> so this um, campaign is like perfectly timed because um, I, do you guys have Instagram accounts? Yes. You do? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So obviously Instagram is fueled by photos. Yes. All kinds of photos. A little bit of video. And quotes, a little bit of video, a little story. So the idea is like if you were to um, hashtag here for you and you posted up a quote that says, let myself cry, Aww. or I am enough and so are you, or if plan A didn't work, the alphabet has 25 more letters. So it's really geared towards being positive, and being uplifting, a place uplifting. And empowering exactly. sounds like very nice. Exactly. Now, this using, is a great platform. That's using social media for something very positive. For the I'm, good. That's, I'm very, very happy about that. Because yeah. I would think if I had a mental health um, issue, there's a stigma attached to that. And so you would typically be withdrawn or quiet or hidden about that for quite some time. Yes. And these are the, the people that really need help. And there's resources out there, but wouldn't really know where to reach, how to seek that information, but it's more comfortable, familiar for our younger generation with Instagram. Mm -hmm. I think this is a beautiful thing. It gives them a platform to communicate with others that may be in the same situation. Exactly. Honestly, you know, you, uh, positive quotes and positive posts, that, that goes a long way, mm -hmm. especially in this day and age where social media kind of rules with us. And uh, listen, you see one or two here for you hashtags and something very positive, you're going to click that hashtag. You're going to see more. You're going to go. You're gonna, and you might even seek the services that you, that you need. Right. right. They'll so know they're not alone. Exactly. That's what I wanted to say. That's the most important thing. Like, oftentimes, if you were to feel depressed, you do feel lonely. Like, this, the world is crashing in on me, and I'm the only one going through this. But when you go to an online support community, like Instagram is um, trying to build, you see that there are literally thousands of people going through your, the same thing, right? And so you're not alone. Yeah, and the likelihood of you connecting with somebody that that can empathize directly with you, much bigger, much greater uh, on social media on a social media platform. A lot yep. of relatability because exactly. their age groups are probably similar. Exactly, you know? exactly. Great, great topics, guys. Thank great discussion. You, great chat. U.S. News and World Report ranked our hospital in the top 50 best children's hospital for pediatric cardiology and heart surgery. To learn more about Jody Maggio Children's Hospital, visit jdch.com. Welcome back, and thank you once again for joining us on Healthy Parenting Podcast. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Dr. Daniel Bober, a child and adolescent psychiatrist with Jody Maggio Children's Hospital. Dr. Bober, welcome. Thank you so much for uh, having me. It's great to be here. Can you tell our audience a little about yourself? Well, I'm currently on staff at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. I'm awful, also the chief of psychiatry for the Memorial Regional Healthcare System, and I am in private practice in Hollywood, Florida. 
Awesome. Dr. Bober, thank you again for joining us. Today we want to talk to you about suicide prevention and as it relates to uh, the new Netflix show called 13 Reasons Why. Um, and for everyone who does not recognize my voice, I'm Bahati Banks. I'm one of the co-producers of the show and filling in for Dr. Latanja Benjamin today, who's our regular co-host. So thank you all for joining us. So let's get right into it. 13 Reasons Why, it's a very popular teen-centered Netflix show that dramatizes a high school girl's rationale for committing suicide. It's created a huge debate among teens, parents, educators, as well as mental health professionals. In fact, um, just in case you didn't know, suicide prevention organizations, national school counseling associations, and educators across the country have responded by creating guidelines, talking points, having town hall meetings where they are trying to help parents as well as students process the show. Uh, many suicide prevention and mental, and mental health professionals have also said the show glamorizes suicide um, because of its graphic content. So there's, and there's also been a fear of copycat suicides. Oftentimes when shows like this come out or when there's an article in the uh, newspaper, oftentimes youth are very impressionable and they may... Uh, commit suicide because they've actually seen a show or read an article uh, that's kind of talked about the, the incident in a very graphic way. So in your opinion, Dr. Bober, do you think this type of dramatization undermines how serious mental health uh, illness is in teens uh, when they depict scenes that are really, really graphic? I do worry that writers, directors, and producers um, glamorize suicide at times, and I think they have uh, responsibility, particularly in a situation like this, to really get it right and to really weigh the sort of graphic nature of the show with the message that they're sending. Uh, we've seen this phenomenon in other areas, for example, in teen pregnancy, in veteran suicides, in mass shootings, that there is a contagion effect or a copycat effect where when people see other people committing a certain act, it sort of encourages them or pushes them over the edge to commit the act themselves. So I do worry that, uh, you know, at the risk of, or at the benefit of selling movie seats or getting a viewership that people are glamorizing these acts sometimes. Those are vital concerns, but supporters of the show claim that it, it encourages young people to have an open dialogue about depression and suicide. Do you think a fictional show like 13 Reasons Why can lead to more open discussions between youth and adults and maybe uh, they can relate to the characters on these shows? I do think that it is a conversation starter. Uh, you know, a lot of comedians who are very crass and use foul language say, well, I'm just talking about a subject that's uncomfortable to get people to talk about it. So I understand that point, but it's all about how you present the material. I think if it's done in a tasteful way that's not, you know, graphic, graphic for just for the sake of being graphic, then I think it is a conversation starter. So I do see that aspect of it as well. Is there any example you can, you can provide maybe offhand where you think that a tasteful way of uh, showcasing this in entertainment would be helpful as opposed to harmful for young people? So for example, not showing every detail of a suicide, uh, of not showing a, 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 you know, a razor blade slicing a wrist and blood spurting out everywhere. You know, Maybe if it was uh, an overdose on pills, something a little more subtle that gets the message that it was a suicide, but not something where there you know, ends up being blood on the lens to get people to watch it. it, it you know, we don't want to turn it into a spectacle. We don't want to make it something that's of exploitative. Course, that's the point. And that was one of the main issues that people have. It's that the show actually does depict 
um, the main character um, slicing her wrist in the bathtub at the very uh, last episode of the show. So that is where a lot of the concern was. It's like, it's too graphic. You know, does it have to be this graphic? The top three uh, methods that teens use to commit suicide are the first would be firearms, the second would be hanging or suffocation, and the third would be poisoning. Mm. So that those are the three most common ways that teens actually commit suicide. Okay. It's been a common debate that most people may not look at mental health as, a, as serious as physical health. Um, do you think this show could help society realize mental health needs should be taken as seriously as physical health? I mean, no question about it. You know, we're in a mental health crisis in this country. Uh, one out of every five people has a diagnosable mental illness. Less mm-hmm. than half are getting treatment. There's tremendous issues with access to care, barriers such as that. Um, so I do think that any show that has a mental health theme is good to be getting people to talk about mental health. For example, the show Homeland, uh, where the lead character that's played by... Um, Claire Danes. Claire Danes, exactly, has bipolar disorder. It's a very good way to say, here is a person who is literally changing the world who has bipolar disorder. So mm-hmm. I think it sends a positive message, and it gets people to say, hey, she has bipolar disorder. What is bipolar disorder? Let, let me Google that and find out more about that. So, you know, mental health uh, or mental disorders are still a huge stigma. For example, for a lot of people, they still see it as a basic character defect. If you tell someone you have heart disease or diabetes, they don't look at you the same way as when you tell them that you have depression. Mm -hmm. So I think there's something to be said for that. So I think more shows that depict people with mental illness, either making an impact or overcoming their mental illness, I think sends a positive message. Okay, very good Now, on the same vein of you discussing that you don't want the attention showing more of the gore, uh, in the show, uh, uh, the main character demonstrates a sign of suicide when she starts changing her appearance. She cuts her hair. Um, As a parent, could you talk about more common warning signs that, that we can look for and should be aware of? So there's obvious warning signs like your teen is depressed, uh, they're withdrawing, they're more isolative, more uh, rage, more anger. And for example, a lot of people don't know this, but teens may, because they're not as good at verbalizing their feelings, may actually show anger or irritability as a sign of depression and not sadness. Um, so as I was saying, so increased use of drugs or alcohol, um, changes in their weight, changes in their sleep, uh, a lot of talking about death, emailing social media about death. These are all warning signs um, that suicide might be coming. And, you know, we should also talk about the fact that uh, over 60% of teens who commit suicide never received any treatment at all. And four out of every five that actually completed suicide, there were warning signs that were present, but no one actually saw it. Mm. Wow. So it sounds like parental monitoring, parents being a lot more engaged, actually asking questions. Um, Oftentimes, I'm sure I'm not a parent, but I can think back to when I was a kid and, you know, just that having those regular conversations with your kid, not coming to them just when there's a problem. You know, back a generation ago, I I was a little kid. I remember seeing these programs on TV where uh, it's, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Yes. yes. Or, or <laughs> you would see the color bars and the national anthem would come on. But now the world is a 24-7 world. There's social media. Your child is in their room. They're on the internet. And in a sense, they're kind of almost not in the house because exactly. they're off on the internet. And what's going on with them on the internet? Who are they chatting with? 
what are they looking at? What are they exposed so to? Who are, yes. Exactly. What are they exposed to? Who are they exposed to? So I see this all the time, and I tell parents, a lot of them you know, should put the computer in a common area, like in the living room yes. or the family room, and not in their kid's bedroom. Absolutely. Yes. Because when they close that door and they have total anonymity, you don't know what they're getting into or who they're talking to. That's right. And it can the consequences could be disastrous. Mm -hmm. I like to backpedal a little bit. When you said you had mentioned uh, that depression or suicidal thoughts can be manifested in uh, being a loner or, or in, in anger, as a parent, how do we um, differentiate between normal uh, adolescent growth of you know, you know, acting out as opposed to a cry for help and that this is becoming serious? What, what, what specifically can I look at and see the difference between? It's all about communication. You know, if you have an open line of communication with your kids and they feel comfortable coming to you with this kind of stuff, uh, then you're going to be able to tease that apart. But up to three quarters of teens um, who, um, up, to, up to three quarters of teens talk about suicide before they actually commit suicide. So okay, okay. it's all about being attuned. You know, I, I remember I was reading an article about the Columbine shooting. Mm -hmm. And I was about Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris, the two Columbine shooters, who were both actually on antidepressants, interestingly enough. Yes. And they were stockpiling weapons in their parents' garage, and the parents didn't even notice. Wow. So I think the message here is, you know, you have your job, you have your marriage, but you got to pay attention to what your kids you are gotta doing. you got to be observant, You've got to yes. really be on top of it. Yes. you got to know who they're texting. You've got to know who they're emailing, what they're doing on their social media. You can't, you can't just let the computer become a babysitter. You have to take responsibility and actually be a parent. Mm -hmm. can, the same, can, can the same be said regarding all entertainment, video games and TV, same concept, as opposed to just social media and the Internet? Well, certainly there are video games that have you know, more violent themes. Uh, there's been a lot of controversial research on whether video games you know, increase the risk of violence. And, and you know, there's some evidence that they increase violent thoughts. But yes, I do think that you really need to be on top of your kids in a way now in this generation that you didn't have to be before because there are so many outlets uh, of digital media and so many ways that they can communicate and Absolutely. interact with the world. I think you really have to be on top of it. And speaking of um, just cyberbullying is also a major issue. It's, it's a growing issue um, because you know, back in the day, um, when you were bullied, it stayed at the school. But now people can reach you literally anytime, anywhere, 24-7. So, again, just going back to that monitoring, you know, making sure you know who your kids are contacting, who um, who they're reaching out to, because sometimes they could be the aggressor as well. Right. And actually, before the show started, you and I had talked about this a little bit, this cyberbullying. There have been a lot of suicides in teens that have been spurred on by cyberbullying. Yes. One of the uh, most significant things I see as a child psychiatrist in terms of a risk factor in kids is shame and humiliation. Shame and humiliation very often will cause teens to go, you know, put them over the edge to committing suicide mm -hmm. because there's so much peer pressure so much need to fit in, so much need for approval, and anything that produces shame can actually be a precipitant for suicide. Absolutely. What, in your opinion, because um, you know, uh, celebrities are looked up to oft often, and we recently just lost a celebrity to uh, suicide. What bullets or what topics or how would you best uh, guide a parent to talking to a uh, to their child regarding a celebrity suicide and, and what happened and you know who you should talk to and everything like that. 
Well, anytime your child is talking to you about death or suicide or not wanting to live, I mean, to me, that's a mental health crisis and they need professional evaluation immediately. And that means not leaving them alone, removing sharp objects, uh, bottles of pills, firearms from the home. Uh, a firearm, for example, can dramatically increase the risk of a suicide in the home. Um, I'm not going to get into the politics of firearms, but having a suicide, having a, a firearm in your home increases the risk of suicide and also increases the risk of, fire, of firearm-related accidents. So that's something that's important, too. So anytime you know, your child brings that up to you, that is a mental health crisis. Well, and more specifically, when it, when it comes to a, a celebrities passing, and it, and it is revealed that they, that they you know, committed suicide, uh, how would we best uh, address that with our, with our children, especially with somebody they look up to? What if we, uh, I think, you know, you have to uh, address the fact that c- celebrities are people just like you and I. Celebrities have problems. Celebrities, uh, you know, they may be a hero on a, on a motion, in a motion picture, but in real life, you know, they have the same problems that you and I have. They might just have more money. They just might be more well-known. Right. But the lesson to learn from it is that, you know, there are people that need help just like they did. And, you know, if you have a problem, you should do the right thing and get help for yourself. That's, that's absolutely perfect. That's exactly what we like to hear. So for parents who are on the fence about this show, um, unfortunately, a lot of kids actually binge watch the show. I actually binge watch the show because I had to do some homework (laughs) just to get up to speed as to what was going on. Um, What advice would you give them in terms of how how to process the show? Um, Just, you know, obviously there are going to be youth watching the show and they won't commit suicide, but it's, and it is a form of entertainment, So, but a lot of parents are kind of on the fence because they don't even want their kids to watch the show. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to make a suggestion. By all means. Even if you tell your child not to watch the show, they're going to find a way to watch That's it. Right. Absolutely. They're going to watch That's it at their right. friend's it house. It makes it forbidden fruit. They're yes. going to watch it oh, yes. at, you know, on their friend's uh, iMac mm-hmm. or PC. So what I would tell you is, is that maybe watch the show with them. Actually Absolutely. sit there and process it with them. Because the more you tell them no, the more you've actually glamorized it and made it, like you said, the forbidden fruit mm-hmm. that they're going to want to eat. So I would actually tell you, if you don't want them watching it and you're concerned about it, say, okay, I'll compromise, but we'll watch the show together and make time to talk about it and process it. I think that's, that's fantastic. Advice. That is absolutely Great advice. Um, is there anything else you want to add in terms of uh, some last-minute takeaways that you think parents should be aware of? I just think that, you know, there's an overall uh, general message that parents just really need to be more involved with their kids. And I, like I said, I see this in my office all the time. Kids are just doing a lot more, uh, and they have a lot more ways to accomplish it without even leaving their, the bedroom of their home. And you just really, as a parent, need to keep an open line of communication and really use care to be on top of things because it's just a very different generation now. Um, and that's that's the message that I would leave you with. That's fantastic. Personally, I have a son. He's going to be 13. Okay, he's uh, August. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have a teenager soon. <laughs> he is a loner in, you know, in, in the speak of the words. He likes to listen to his music on his own. He likes to use his device on his own. He'll occasionally go to school dances and stuff. Um, how would you instruct me to just make sure that, you know, it's just a personality, not, not, a, not an issue that I should be worried about? You have to allow for, you know, individual differences in kids and 
personality types and the way they're raised. Every kid is going to be different, but anytime they're exhibiting a behavior that interferes with their daily functioning or is potentially unsafe or unhealthy, that's when you need to be concerned. Um, that's what I would. That's what I would tell you. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. Makes me feel good. If you or someone you know wants more information about local resources and support regarding suicide prevention, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe Gimazio's Children's Hospital. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Share on social media and visit the Joe Dimaggio's Facebook page.